Hello, friends. Welcome to a slightly late Friday afternoon version of Radio Free Mavs. I didn't know what title room, so that's where we're stuck. But it's Friday afternoon. You should be winding down from work, uh, or you, now you have a really good excuse to to not pay attention to work. And it's been a couple of days since I talked to you last. Uh, before I invite people up to you know give comments and questions, I wanted to read to you part of Mark Stein's latest newsletter. You should go and subscribe to his Substack. Mark Stein is a real one and a great reporter and an all-around good dude, and he deserves our uh, support, $50 a year for his um, Substack, and I cannot recommend it more. He wrote... If you doubted the Raptors' intentions to start the season with Goran Dragic on the roster, be advised that Dragic has arrived in Toronto and touts himself as, quote, a professional basketball player for at Raptors on both his Twitter and Instagram bios. Raptors fans won't soon forget Dragic's recent interview in his native Slovenia, in which he admitted that Toronto was not his preferred destination after leaving Miami. But the Raptors are both intent on being competitive as they can this season and confident that more appealing trade possibilities involving Dragic will materialize after the season begins once a potential trade partner's need for proven playmaking becomes more uh, acute. So that's where we are right now uh, with that. I think that's an interesting bit of news that's worth discussing in the sense of it makes me really pissed off. Um, why is that I think – because I don't really care about Mark Cuban's tax bill. I don't care how much it costs the Mavericks. The Mavericks are over the cap right now. They're over the cap next year. $20 million for Porzing, or for, for uh, Dragic this year. Go trade uh, uh, the players to make it work. Make it happen. This is silly. You, paying $20 million for, to, to get Luka Doncic to, to sort of grow up in a professional sense is worth it. Because I think Dragic as I've mentioned time and again, will play a huge part in that. Luca's just on a nice edge in the sense of he could tumble to the way where he's not going to listen to anybody. I don't see why he would listen to anyone on the new coaching staff. Yeah, Jason Kidd exists, but Luca's already a better player than Jason Kidd ever was. You heard that right. Luka Doncic is a better player than Hall of Famer Jason Kidd ever was. Uh, so it's, it's just sort of where we are now. I, I don't understand the holdup, uh, the Mavericks not wanting to pay the money. Just it, it – I'm so tired of hearing that. I'm so tired of hearing that. If you guys followed me on Twitter about one in the morning last night, I revisited the fact that in 2018, in the uh, well, days and hours leading up to the draft, the uh, trade for Luka Doncic uh, for Trey Young, that sort of pick swap, almost broke upon the fact that the Mavericks were unwilling to accept Ken, uh, Ken Bazemore, or I'm sorry, yeah, Bazemore's uh, extra year on his deal if they were to swap picks and swap he and Wes, Wesley Matthews. Why? Because the Mavericks were concerned about their cap flexibility. I am so fucking tired about hearing about their cap flexibility. Be better. Make a better basketball team. Stop talking to me about this sort of stuff. I don't want to hear it. I want the Mavericks to win. Hi, but you weren't expecting this sort of pissy attitude from me on a Friday. But, uh, you know, it's kind of one of those work days where I uh, didn't think I was going to have anything to do. And I have had a lot to do, which is why the, the green room got bumped from uh, 12 to 3. So uh, let's start bringing people on up. If you want to hit that request button and invite yourself up on stage, if you've never done that before, I would really love to, to hear from you, to hear your thoughts on, on the season. Uh, I would like to hear any opinions on um, – 
I released a piece today that I wrote about 10 days ago on Chris Stapp's Porzingis, uh, you know, calling it kind of a make or break uh, deal for uh, make or break season for him. Um, until anyone sends a request, I'm just going to continue to ramble at at large. Um, Porzingis, as we all know, we've talked about him a lot. He's kind of the the canary in a coal mine if you're if you're feeling negative, or he is uh, the way forward if you're feeling positive. Um, and I chose in my preview of his season to err on the side of being positive for once in my life. Um, it's the sort of thing where when I, as a fan, need to be positive about something because I, I don't think I could handle the fact of, of him not being any better, being worse than last year. And I think that when you look at the the outside factors, the fact that he had one knee surgery for his ACL, which then contributed to the fact that his other knee, you know, he, he landed on that right knee a lot and then tore the meniscus. And then he came back really quickly after meniscus surgery, having just not a lot of confidence in his body, only to have to play um, – with the Mavericks in all sorts of un, you know, that wasn't a normal NBA season. They crammed four and a half games into seven nights most nights. And so he just was not able to, to get on board with things. And he tried, like, I think he played through more stuff than he should have because he wants to play all the time. I think we need to give him some credit there. He is a guy who wants to play through injury, but he doesn't, he's never been a good judge of his own body. Um, he wants to prove people wrong too badly. And so I think that if he's on, if he was, you know, he didn't, we talk about how he entered the offseason healthy. I think that's a misnomer. He didn't enter the offseason hurt with a specific injury, but healthy is a stretch. We all saw him move. Um, that said, he's going to come into this offseason with time to work out, with time to build strength, with time to get his body right. And I think if he's going to show us something, it's going to be relatively soon. So I am choosing to be positive about Chris Stapp's Porzingis at least until he fucks up in the first possession of the regular season. So uh, coming up first, we have a couple of uh, requesters. We have uh, my friend Grayson. Grayson, how are you? Hi, Kurt. Can you hear me? Or I can't, or hear, I you, can't so. hear you. Sound good. Okay, awesome. Um, yeah, I'm driving right now, so I'm not, you never know. But, uh, yeah, okay, I've been really, really, really trying to be nice about Porzingis this whole offseason. I've really – really want to believe that he's going to come back and be better and look like bubble KP. And I've been trying to have this attitude all off season. And then the news breaks yesterday that he requested a trade after the season ends and my goodwill ran out. I, that is is a really good way to cut off all of my patience and goodwill is if he doesn't even want to be there. And I know it was about Rick, but I, I, I don't really care to be honest with you. I mean, the Mavericks went out on a limb and made a huge trade for him, and he hasn't lived up to it. And now he has the gall to ask for a trade. Come on, come to, on. To, to, to hold on, may, may I stop you yes. for a second? He did not request. He did not trade. request a trade. And, and if you meet yourself and you're not talking, I'm getting awful feedback. Um, he did not request a trade in so much as he made it known he would be with. He, he was open to a new location. Asking for a trade was too. I know that verbiage may not sound different, but I think I think it's worth noting because these are the sorts of things that can be, you know, uh, uh, mis- misconstrued. And so he made it be known that he was willing to 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 have a new new position. And with you know Carlisle, I, I don't entirely. Well, you no, know, I understand that, um, and even I even can see from his perspective why he was frustrated, but. 
it just really wears on me after I've spent the whole off season <laughs> trying to be positive about him. And then that, and I, I, yeah, I don't know if he necessarily requested a trade, but just that whole thing really, really irritated me. My Twitter was uh, a hostile place yesterday because of. <laughs> I mean, my hot, my Twitter tends to be a hostile place every day. So I, I feel, I feel your pain on this. I mean, but that that's where we are though. And that's what's worth discussing to where you are frustrated by Chris Stapp's Porzingis. And I think our fan base kind of falls into two camps. It's the camp who is casual watcher and still believes that it's 2015. And, and then, you know, sees his, his raw stats, which by the way, were really good last year. Uh, but then, you know, those of us who overanalyze and join green rooms in the middle of Fridays know that he just wasn't right. And, or he didn't, you know, things just didn't work the way they could have with him. I mean, he was, he was really awful defensively and he was, the, he's the linchpin of that defense. They can't really have that. So that, that's why I, I, I referred to it as a make or break year for him. Because if, if those of you who listened to Bill Simmons podcast, he had Jack McMullen and Zach Lowe on and Bill made a very peculiar statement about how he thought Chris Stapps had like a lot of trade potential and, and Zach Lowe immediately corrected them him only to then Simmons really phrased it more accurately where he said, I think if Porzingis looks okay at all, there's going to be a lot of trade chatter. around." Um, I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) Um, not much. I mean, I'm enjoying the new 2k with Luca on the cover. So that's a positive take from this off season. Um, and I'm letting the basketball season to start, and I think 26 days. Um, I don't know. I just I'm a huge NFL guy, but I'm I'm, I'm ready for in the NBA to come back. I'm very ready. Well, luckily for you, you have it's October 6th so is the first season game, which uh, which is a little less than two weeks, and then so training camp starts Monday. So you're going to get overreaction basketball theater starting as soon as Monday, because that's when uh, media day is. And my thing I'm really looking forward to for media day is what coach Jason Kidd has to say about anything for long, long time fans. Media day was like the last time Rick Carl wasn't a raging ass hat to everyone. Like, and then it's like the regular season starts. And then he's just grumpy Rick. And, and so it's like, he was friendly. He would actually answer questions and so I think Kid's a little more media savvy or at least a little bit happier of a dude. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he says about stuff. I've been cracking up about his comments about defense where it's like, we're going to be a defensive team, yada, yada. And I'm like, well, what, what, which team does he think he's coaching? Because they don't have defensive players. Um, I'm, I'm, so I'm just I'm looking forward to that sort of commentary. I always love the goofy photos. Um, if anybody listened to uh, 97.1 The Eagle yesterday, Mark Cuban went on the Ben and Skin show and talked about how He's sure that Chris Stapps and Luca are cool with each other because they like one another's social media posts, which is the most 60 plus year old man thing I've heard him say in a long time. How many of you out there, even those of us in our 30s or 40s, have social media things where you like people who you really or you you like posts and stuff of people who you really don't like, but you don't you want to keep the social appearances up. So that's just something that's been in my head the last several days. Well, Grayson, I'm going to bring um, a couple more people on stage. You got anything else before I let you? No, this is actually really good timing because I'm driving back to Austin right now for school. So appreciate it. 
Well, I may try to do these in the afternoon uh, instead of uh, 12 p.m. Uh, it always depends on my work schedule because I should be working right now, but I'm not. So no one telling me. Thanks very much, Grayson. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Coming up next, we have Zach. Hit that unmute, and if, unmute button if you haven't. Uh, here we go. Sorry. First, first time speaker, kind of long time listener. Uh, and just to do a quick introduction on myself, I've always been, I'm, I don't consider myself a casual fan. I watch most of the games. In fact, my girlfriend hates it because I live in Houston and I'm always like trying to find all the Mavs games on weird streams and stuff down here. So, uh, but I'm also a, I'm a, I'm a, a Chris Tapps believer like all the way. And Ooh, I love it. There, there are dozens of us, Kirk, <laughs> dozens. And, um, but, I think it's just been an unfortunate time that he's had with Dallas. He's had injury issues. And I think that this whole bastard Bob dude and his influence on Rick, maybe has had an effect on how Chris tops to be played. And he just hasn't been able to be himself ultimately. So I'm optimistic, not too delusional about it, but you know, I'm trying to give the dude the benefit of the doubt that I think he can, he can be his true self in playing and hopefully um, people won't, don't write him off sooner or later. I think that we paid a lot of money for him, and I'll hate for us to get rid of him and then get value that we're crossing our fingers on again. I think the dude's proven himself in the past. I realize he's not 2015 Chris Stapps, but I don't know. That's my take. I like it. So I, I you know, there's a lot. You know, we have uh, a contributor to Mavs Moneyball, Xavier Santos, who may or may not be in the room. I can't tell right now. Who keeps kind of beating our staff and saying repeatedly, like, look, like the path to a championship level contender with the way the team is built right now results in Porzingis being on the team and you're not going to get like for like value. You're just not because it's impossible to value what Chris Stapps actually is. I think he's right. Despite how frustrated I get from Porzingis. What I want from Porzingis is an acceptance that he is not the, the hero of this story. It is okay. Like I have made my life in the sense of, I, I realized very early on, I'm going to be a role player. I'm never going to be a superstar in anything I do. My wife's the breadwinner. I'm okay with that. Works out well for me, right? I get to be on a green room in nice. the middle of the day. Porzingis is an unbelievable basketball player who is not one of the five best players in the league. That's not a crime. What he needs to do is do the things that he's good at. And unfortunately, he has the confidence of a small, like of a shooting guard, while he's seven foot three. And what I would really like to see him do this year is play defense really hard, shoot open threes. Like I want that guy to shoot like 10 threes a game because he terrifies defenses when he takes shots. I understand, or if, or, or at least get some shots off of movement. I don't want to see post-ups anymore. He, he like this, we, it's a six, six year experiment at this point. It doesn't work. Um, but he is so gifted in the basketball sense and they need to figure out the best way to utilize those tools and he needs to kind of come to grips with who he is as opposed to who he wants to be does that make sense yeah for sure and i think you know to kind of counter what the previous speaker grayson was saying like he was upset about him quote-unquote asking for a trade or however whatever words we want to put behind it i don't blame him for wanting to get out you know and and his he was relegated to the corner and say hey Stay in that corner, keep the defense honest, and 
That's what that's how we're going to use you. I can understand him being upset about that. Yes, he's a role player, but should he be relegated to sitting in the corner waiting for some no. to pass the ball? No, I mean it's so difficult because and, and I just got off another podcast talking about this. The simple fact of the matter is Luca and Porzingis have 13 games of only playing the Clippers. And I wonder how much different we would feel about everything around this team if they had played anyone else. Because there was one play, I'm just never going to forget it, where Luca and KP ran a high screen and roll and um, it was Kawhi who switched on to Porzingis. And uh, Porzingis took one power dribble left. Porzing, or, and, and Kawhi just took the ball from him, ran down the court, and dunked it. And that was when they started shoving Porzingis in the corner, right after that. And I don't blame Por- – I mean, I blame Porzingis for making kind of a bad move there. But it's not his fault that the, that this, that the, the Clippers were a terrible matchup for him. I don't know what Rick should have done differently. I'm not that kind of strategist. But – it, 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 they end up losing, so it didn't work. <laughs> so there's, you know, there's something to look forward to this year with him where I, I just, I hope they, yeah. I hope they figure out how to get more out of him because, and I really hope he's more confident in his body because there was not near enough, like Porzingis dunking from the front of the rim is so awesome. And the Mavs just don't get it. They didn't get a lot of those last year because I don't think he was, I don't think he felt comfortable diving down the middle of the key. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think it was a confidence thing coming off his injury. He didn't want to re-injure. Maybe he was uh, kind of subconsciously kind of like jerking away from things like that. And something you mentioned earlier, it, it sucks that we got matched up with the Clippers twice in a row. You know, they're a, they're a badass team. And, you know, if Kawhi stays healthy, maybe they win the whole thing. You know, I, I think that's fair to suggest. But, it you know, before the playoffs started, obviously there was a whole bunch of shifting pieces. Hey, who was going to be number four or five? Who's going to match up against the Mavs? And the Clippers were allegedly going to lose some games so they could get that matchup again. And it pissed me off. It reminded me of 2011. And I, I think it was like uh, George Carl when he coached the, the Nuggets was like, oh, we're, we, we're totally confident if we get matched up against the Mavs, we're going to lose a couple games. And next thing you know, we win the freaking – championship that year but I was crossing my fingers and hoping to God that you know that the Clippers put themselves in that situation we beat them hey we took them to seven games but good grief I wish we uh I don't know just had flashbacks on that whole thing when they were tanking to, to get that matchup against us well my my sort of recurring line that I've that I've settled on is the Mavericks are going to be a beast of a regular season team they just are and I think they're that talented but they haven't fixed any of their playoff holes. Have I really? Because they're basically the same team. Now the question becomes: Does that matter at all? Because is there any other team built like, at least in the Western Conference, built like the Clippers that can just ruthlessly expose uh, the Mavericks in that way? Like, like have a five line, like five man lineup, switchable defense. Lakers don't. The Nuggets don't. Yeah. Blazers don't. Like, I'd like to see another team try. Yeah. <laughs> So it's a, if if there's room if there's room for like Dalton Dalton Trig level optimism that's where it is for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, la- last bit here is you know I you know it was for a while they're pretty taboo to criticize Rick Carlisle you know and at the same time I was like sure he's a professional coach I'm just a layman fan and he knows a lot better than I he's much more intimate with the whole situation but I will say one thing and this is silly but uh, one thing Carlisle lacked was a little bit of Ted Lasso. And I'm not oh, trying God, to, yes. <laughs> I'm not trying to say that these are apples to apples at all, but but Jason Kidd 
understands that mentality to an extent. And I think that us having a little bit of that, that dash or sprinkle of Ted Lasso from Jason Kidd, that's so weird to say. I think it's going to help us a bit. I mean, for, for anyone, was for anyone who is unfamiliar with Ted Lasso and what Zach's talking about here, the bottom line point is that he's getting at is that Rick being an asshole forever starts to that it has uh, well, a diminishing returns over time. Um, and he was not in retrospect, and I disagreed with this during the season, but in retrospect, I just think I was wrong. He's not the right coach for a team on the rise. He's a right coach for a team ready to win a title, and he's a right coach for a team at the very bottom. But anywhere in that middle section where you're kind of it's murky, he he just he wears he wears on guys. Like they stopped listening to him, and that was evident. And that, you know, and he knew that too. So well, thank you for joining us, Zach. I appreciate you coming up. I hope you come back. MFFL. All right. You have a good Friday. Okay, we got a number of speakers now. Ah, my man, Joel. Joel, what's up? Hello? How you doing? Hey, how's it going? I'm just uh, driving through your old stopping grounds, D.C. right now. Oh, yeah? Man, I'm sorry. Yeah. Driving in that city is terrifying. It's okay. I used to do a job where I was driving 3,500-plus miles in the L.A. area, so um, okay. I'm used to the drive, but it's, it's still not fun. <laughs> um. Yeah, there's been a lot that's been going on. Um, I think probably the most important thing when you're evaluating the Rick Carlisle era, era is I think it really, the, the recent news about Kristaps really aligned us to it. It's the people aspect. I do, I mm-hmm. affirmatively think that the most important thing to managing a team of any type of people is managing personalities and getting them to want to do the work. Objectively. Sure. Objectively. Rick Carlisle was a bad leader for this specific team because he made people not want to do the job. It's not about him adjusting. The adjustment isn't where the issue was. It was that he made people because of that adjustment not want to do the job. I manage a team of people. If I told my second in command they're going to start filing paperwork and getting coffee instead of even lower than the, the lowest person on the ring that's actually doing meaningful work, of course, they're gonna. They're not gonna want to work there. They're not gonna be motivated to do the work. It's a bad objectively strategy, objective strategy that has nothing to do with basketball, obviously. But is at the end of the day, is at the root of actually being able to build a winning team. If people don't want to play for you, if people don't like you, it doesn't. It doesn't matter how right you are. It's kind of like being in a marriage. You can be as right as much as you want, but being right all the time is going to lead to a divorce. And that's, <laughs> I love this because it's it's if you're talking about the on the court product, you're one thousand percent correct. I think with the the Mavs organization as a whole, also sort of suffered from this sort of suffered from this, this this leadership question. Can you answer me? Sorry, buddy. Can you answer me? I love this. App my my audio is all over the. That happens. It's no big deal. That's what, the joy of live radio, right? Um, I, I think that you're spot on with, with the kind of assessment of what was happening within the organization because the Mavericks as a whole didn't have that veteran cast of players who were self-starters. Um, they tried to put Boban in the in the J.J. Barea role into an effect where he was the guy who brought people together, but – you know, you need that if, if you know, the, the players don't have it, then the coach needs to be 
the one to motivate them. And, you know, he was great with X's nose, but terrible with people. Uh, and he was, not, and, and from what I've heard after the fact, you know, Jeff Skinway alludes to this a lot. He, Carlisle was terrible with everyone, like down to like the business side staff, like people were tired of being treated like ass by him. So it's, you know, he leaves the room and now they're getting Jason Kidd, who um, I will just say has a unique track record with those sorts of things. So we will, uh, but it's different and I'm, and I'm looking forward to the differences. So what else you got? For- That's basically it. It's basically like putting a teenage child in a high chair. Of course, they're going to be mad. <laughs> like they've done it before, right, but like, come on. Oh yeah, I mean the y- y- what you said sort of struck a nerve with me in the sense of you know I run this website that has twenty five people, and all of us are more or less, you know, volunteer contributors. Some of us get like a hilarious stipend compared to the work, but it's more of a it's almost like beer money. And so at the end of the day, you need to want to do this, and then you need to, you know, what I've had to learn is how to build out a structure and encourage people to do the work without being an asshole about it. And that was where Rick failed. And that was very evident by the end of his tenure. So, well, thanks so much, man. You have a good day. All right. Coming up next, Tyler. How you doing, Tyler? Hey, Kurt. Uh, Long time listener, first time caller. Can you hear me? Excellent. You sound awesome. Um, so I'll, I'll just kind of piggyback on some of what was already said. Um, as far as Rick Carlisle, yeah, like he's, people say he has, he's great X's and O's, but there were so many times during last season when we just didn't show up to play. And I think our record against the, so the bad. lesser teams was so bad. And, <laughs> and, like, and, and it was good against the good teams, but <clears throat> I think a lot of that has to do with Luca. but you can't have a 21, 22-year-old leading your team, coaching your team, basically. Uh, we had that. I mean, I think, I think a lot of that goes on Rick Carlisle, just not having our guys prepared. Um, and then on uh, Chris Stapps, uh, I think you've kind of already said a lot of what I was going to say, but one thing about that trade request that got me thinking or got me a little upset was that there was like a few times, uh, at least three times in the season last year, where he just totally quit in the game. Um, <clears throat> like he would get upset about a foul or not getting the ball. And then like he had someone driving on him and he just put his head down and let him dunk on him. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and it, it and like, it was really frustrating to see him like quit on a team like that and just, and so it, it just kind of brought back the whole quitting thing. Although I do understand that, you know, all of what you guys were saying is totally right. Um, <clears throat> I mean, and, and you kind of touched on this before, but, like, if we can get him to have that defensive mentality to, like, be our anchor on defense and rebound a little bit better, and if he can accept his role on offense and, you know, not be the guy and be okay with that, then I think he could work. it could work really well, but that's a lot of ifs. And then and if he can stay healthy um, – and all that. So like, I want to stay, I'm like with you. I want to stay optimistic, but it is, it is tough. And I'll probably, you know, as soon as he starts messing up or making me frustrated, I'll be like, all right, let's, let's, oh, yeah. with him. let's trade him. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, um, and I'm in my life. I often think about the, the, the scene from the last dance where Michael Jordan says, and I took that personally. Um, I have a five-year-old <laughs> who 
comes home from school every day and all of his stories are just how he's been like personally wronged. And then I do this in my personal life where I remember specific instances in time, particularly on social media where people come at me and particularly when it's people who are more influential or have louder voices than me and they end up being wrong. And a number of them are affiliated with the Mavs organization. And I remember distinctly in March of 2020, right before the world went to shit and Porzingis was playing like a basketball God and all the Mavs people were saying, this is why you can't trade him. This is why you can't do it. And here we are, and it's September of, of 2021, and the total number of games where he has played in that way that would make me say he's an untradeable basketball player since March of 2020 is probably five games or less. Um, yeah. Porzingis is one of these players, and I think it's largely due to media market, where the because he grew up in New York, like if he if he was from Sacramento or whatnot, nobody would talk about this. He has these runs where the outliers become the expectation. And I think if he can give Dallas what he gave them in 1920, and even before he went on that run, he was playing good basketball. I really underestimated how yeah. important his defense was in retrospect. If he just comes out and plays defense, and you mentioned um that he often quit, I think like with him, he's such a um when things go bad, things get worse. He's not a guy who's able to dig out of uh, uh, quicksand. Yeah, uh, it, that's just sort of him. And so it's like, I, I, I think I would put him being on the, in a Mavericks uniform at year's end at this point, fifty-fifty. But if they can figure out a role, mm-hmm. and if he accepts something, and he plays like just a mix of how he did in offense last year and how he did on defense two years ago, the Mavericks are going to whoop ass. Yeah. And uh, him, like, hopefully an offseason being healthy will allow him to move because, like, at the beginning of the season last year, it was terrible on defense. Oh, yeah. And it, but it got better. So, like, if he can come back even, even healthier this year and give us some more uh, defense, like, if he can be that anchor for us that we need. He doesn't need to be perfect. He just needs to not be trash canned. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, not be a huge liability. Then, then we'll be all right. And, and as far as offense, like, it goes with the same thing with health. Like, I think him – in a pick and roll with Luca can, it can be so deadly. Like he can, he can pull up or he can drive and, or, you know, do the rim running and, and dunk it. And mm-hmm. like, if he's not able to rim run, that's a huge loss for us on offense. That's it. I, I, I think anyway, I think his, yeah, I agree. No, they dunk, need the rim running aspect. Yeah. The rim running aspect of Porzingis is, is just as important as his willingness to take 40 footers. Yeah. And, but smart 40-footers. Some of them were a little bit aggravating to me anyway. Um, but I, like you said, you've even pointed out that his uh, when he does make a three, like it makes the whole defense respect that, and then it opens up the whole floor for us. So I think you're totally right on that. But, yeah, um, I, I'm hopeful, but, but we'll see, I guess. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for joining us, Tyler. I hope you come back. I hope you tell your friends. Green Room is a lot of fun if you uh, – Listen to them during the season. You guys know that we do um, post-game therapy if they lose and then post-game party if they win. And I'm going to be keeping doing that even though it makes my wife unhappy with me. Um, so I hope you come back. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Kirk. You made my day. All right. Have a good day, buddy. Like you too. All right. Chad, long time. Hey, how's it going? It is uh, I, I I don't want to be the uh, uh, the jerk at the party, but I just I cannot. Well, I don't want to say I cannot. 
I understand. <laughs> I understand. I'm. I'm. I'm I just. I, I, I'll say I've, I haven't been as high on Porzingis. I think since the trade, um, and I, I just think a lot of the the same things. A lot of the reasons why people say like, "Hey, I don't want to touch Ben Simmons." He like he has a bad attitude. He'll quit on the team. It said uh, he you know, parties too much, gets into like off the court trouble, fights. Said, well, I don't know about fights with Ben Simmons, but uh, a lot of those things are true with Porzingis as well. And I, the I, I think my only other thing is the acceptance of the role, which I understand when you're like seven, four, you feel like you can shoot, you know, to the, to the half court. Um, and you even, especially early in his career, had the mobility to get around guys, like get, just mm-hmm. simply get around people when you felt like it. I, I can understand it being hard to be like, all right, well, apparently this person is better than me and I need to accept that. Um, but it's just, it's tough, especially given the drop off on defense. And, and, and that's the thing for me, I think, if he were able to defend, I think on offense is fine. As long as you have a center who can stretch the floor, I think that's wonderful in, in, in any system that Luka Doncic has. But on defense, we have to be able to, like, especially given the defensive personnel, given the defensive scheme, have someone who can defend at least a little bit, show a little bit on the perimeter, and then get back into the paint. And he just wasn't able to do it. And, and part of that was probably physical. Part of that was maybe, like, yo, I'm not getting any shots on, on offense, so why should I, like, break my back on defense? But it, it was just a backbreaker, um, especially last year. So I don't know. And, and I, I put into the chat, I, I feel like someone who can do some of what Porzingis does and accepts his would be more willing to, uh, you know, be a secondary player or be the second best player would, would maybe be a Miles Turner. And from what I heard, like Miles Turner was available. And I don't know why. We, well, I do know why. I mean, we had Porzingis. But. If, if you could swap me out, like, Porzingis for Miles Turner, I understand, uh, you know, Miles isn't as good of a three-point shooter, et cetera, et cetera. But it, it feels like it would be a better fit. And so I, I was just wondering if you had heard anything around the thinking on that or any or anything. I mean, I've not heard I, – I try to – me personally, I try to stay away from trade rumors because then I can't help myself. And then I become the person who I bitch about on Twitter who knows things but won't share them. Hate that guy. Um and there's a lot of reporters that do that. It's like what happened with Minnesota the other night where it's like all these, well, we knew Gerson Rosas was shacking up, but none of us said anything to anyone because he was our source. <laughs> um, I wonder if if Indiana, with Rick Harlow being there now, I sort of think that that is almost like a dead zone for a trade destination unless Rick Carlisle would want Porzingis. Do you know what I mean? And I, I can't help but think with that sort of thing, it's, it's dead on arrival. Um, just as something that I noticed the other day, did you know that the Pacers played like they were like the number two team in pace last year and Rick, <laughs> the Mavericks were like number three at the bottom. Like, so Rick Carlisle going there cracks me up because they're just going to play like wildly different because Rick hates turnovers so much, but I, I really like Turner. I, I think he kind of comes with some let's just call them orange flags instead of red flags because his injury concerns are also funky, but I, I know what you mean. It's like at this point with this team and I've just, I've had to grow used to this over the summer. Like various people have yelled at me about this. I just kind of want some new dudes. Like we're rooting for the same guys in Reggie Bullock. And before that it was the same guys in Josh Richardson. And then before that it was the same guys in Seth Curry. <laughs> like we have three seasons of this now. So I, I get where you're coming from now. Yeah, no, and that's, that's one of the things around, uh, I guess, well, we had, I mean, Josh Green, but he didn't see a ton of time. Just not having those young, exciting, just just new players to, like, 
at least have hope in that you don't know exactly what they, they may be, or at least you feel like you don't know exactly what they may be just yet. Sure. And hopefully Josh Green didn't know Tyrell Terry and everybody will surprise us uh, this season. So, well, um, I think Rick will, uh, Rick, I think Kid will play them. I mean, that, like, if there's a lot of criticisms to be made of Kid, but he played young guys. And so I think all these guys will get options for burn early in the year. Because if there's, you know, assuming no like devastating injuries and the fact that all like like that everybody but probably Trey Burke is vaccinated, um, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, there do some googling. Uh, it, it, I think the Mavericks are going to be in a really good place to experiment. Like their their schedule is even. It is at least on paper right now. There's no last year. Do you remember some of the stretches where they had to play like Phoenix, Denver, Denver? And then to Portland, Portland, and it was like, oh my gosh, like what is happening? Is is there a soft spot in the schedule? Then during the soft spot in the schedule, they'd rest Luca and Porzingis, and we'd lose to the Thunder. <laughs> like that, like that. I just don't think that stuff happens this year, you know. Yeah, no, I definitely attended a game here in DC uh, where they rested <laughs> rested Luca out, and I was really looking forward to seeing them play. Um, so yeah, no, hopefully God, the, God, the, yeah. the schedule is a little bit more even because there are definitely a lot of murderers rose games. Uh, or yeah. Mm-hmm. We got anything else before we uh, move on to uh, someone else? No, that's about it. Uh, appreciate it. Yeah. Have a happy Friday. Thanks for joining us, Chad. Have a good one. Of course. Okay. A couple more guys. Oh, my man, Jose. What's up? Okay. I'm, I'm glad I was able to unmute myself as soon as you brought me on stage. Look at this. <laughs> you're, you're getting better. It's a learning process for all of us. How you doing, Kurt? I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm going to Orange Theory after this where my fat ass is probably going to get ran off a treadmill by some housewife, but that's the nature of life. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, last time we spoke, I, I actually wanted to bring up the coaching staff because I am optimistic about the coaching staff. I, I don't know how optimistic I am with Jason Kidd, but everybody else that they brought on, I, I feel really good about I feel like there's a coach for every player on this team. Uh, I was listening to uh, Mass Fans for Life. I think it's the the podcast name, I believe so. But they were talking about uh, how Jared Dudley is like the best uh, role man. Uh, coach. People like him. Yeah, I don't like him, but players <laughs> like him. And and then of course Igor is like specifically for for Luca. And if we can't get the uh, the point guard Ben Simmons that we want, <laughs> I'm trolling with that. Please do not. not. I understand. <laughs> no, but uh, I, I think Igor is is a great mentor for for Luca, and just you know all the ties that they have together. I feel like this coaching staff is something that that we could really look forward to and just be fans about. And so uh, with with KP, uh, <laughs> the biggest thing about KP, and I'm gonna just dive into the KP and Ben Simmons aspect. So KP, of course, his numbers twenty and nine. Uh, I'm not too sure about Ben Simmons' numbers because I don't I don't really. Very different players, obviously. That's okay. Right. And um, here, here's the pros and, and cons about them. KP, uh, of course, he hits the three. He he staggers the defense. The defense doesn't know how to react. KP could be a great 
role man if he actually rolls to the damn rim like we need him to. And with Ben Simmons, he could facilitate the offense. Of course, we all know he plays some of the best defense in the league. But, I mean, the same people who are complaining about KP not showing up in the playoffs is probably going to have the same issues with Ben Simmons because we all saw him pass up probably the easiest shot you could ever have, even if it's on Trey Young. I mean, we all seen that. And we also seen that he was a shell of himself in the playoffs. So that that's the biggest quarrel when it comes to KP and Ben Simmons on the Mavericks. And then also, we don't know if Ben Simmons is going to just come in and accept the role of just being a facilitator slash defensive playmaker. Because um, I forgot who it was that said it on, on a specific podcast, but they said like Ben Simmons has always had the the kind of ignorance, the 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 big ego since he's been in high school that that he knew he was going number one and things like that. And I'm not sure if I want that on the team because we're dealing with uh that with that same issue with KP because he can't get out of his ego. He doesn't want to fully accept his role. So uh, it's just like with, with KP and Ben, th- these are the the biggest things that stand out with them. So I think it's worth mentioning, and I blame uh, uh, Dalton. I literally blame you for this, Dalton. I blame Dalton for this. Dalton Trigg, you can put that in quotes. Um, the, the Sixers have no interest in this. They're not going to trade for a – seven footer when they have a fragile seven footer. Um, it's just because KP needs to play five. So let's just come at this from purely hypothetical. A guy like Simmons, Simmons himself, let's say he was available and it wasn't proving just, just let's, let's just go out there. He's a great example of a player wanting to play a certain way. And he has made his money playing a certain way. He has no reason at this point to play differently. I mean, every year he talks about how he needs to shoot threes, and even he will talk about this. Then he shoots like seven all year. He just like there will come a time in his playing career will he where he will play different. Tim Hardaway is a, is a kind of a, a a B minus level comparison on this, where Tim Hardaway played a certain way for his entire career until he came to the Mavericks, and they cut the bullshit twos out of his out of his uh, uh, shot selection and said. You can take long threes. You can get to the rim. And if you have to take a long two, make sure it's the right long two. And he made a four-year deal, and Tim Hardaway will probably get another four-year deal when he's done with this one because his shooting skill set and his sort of veteran savvy is going to matter in the league for a long time. Ben Simmons is an all-star level player who is not a superstar and will not be a superstar because you just you have to be. You know, you have to be able to do more things than he's able to do to be a top five player in the league. I don't know when he makes a realization. I don't know what team it'll be on. If he's like, I'm really glad the Houston Rockets didn't trade for him because he is just like, he's the prototypical Luka stopper. Like he's huge, long, and can bother the crap out of him. I just don't know where he goes, and I don't know what the end game is for him because 
if that's your best player, eventually the ball slows down in the playoffs and he shot seven total shots in the fourth quarter of that Hawk series. Like that's not a repeatable thing. That's not something you can do and sustain as a, as a franchise player. So I don't know. That's just kind of where I am with him. I I'm really grateful. We don't have to talk about him. Like we're talking about him for fun as opposed to it being a real thing, because if it was a real thing, I might lose my mind. Like with Porzingis, I know what the problems are. The problems are his health and slightly his attitude. With Ben Simmons, it's convincing him that he is actually best as a Draymond Green-esque power forward. And I don't know if you're ever going to get that with him. So what else you got for us? Well, um, for me, my stance on the Mavericks, like where, where they're going to rank at, I say five. But if we get Dragic, we're automatically top four. That that's just my Love my perspective because I mean uh, we're rolling basically with the same squad. We we have few new additions. I do want to see how all this works, but I feel like Dragic is just that good that he puts us in a position where we're a, a top team in the West. We're really something not to fuck with, basically. I'm not sure. So a year ago this time, he was basically, I mean, he was in the finals. Um, He was the second best player on a finals team. His body just broke down and people act like he was good. Like three years ago. Like I don't remember the young man's name. He might not even be young. I don't mean to be patronizing, but there was a guy who wrote for like Dallas fanatics who said, I would rather have Isaiah Thomas, Monte Ellis, or one more person over, over broken down Goran Dragic. And I'm like, does anybody watch basketball? Because this was like a common theme uh, for for certain aspects of Mavs fans. I'm like, this guy is a. This is just where like Dragic is is the engine. Okay, he plays so hard. Ask any Slovenian who has covered there, who has watched and been a fan of their basketball team for years. He is a madman, and I mean that in the most respectful, professional way possible. Because he he would bring something to this team that they don't have now realistically, he might only play 40 games, but that's okay. The Mavericks have a pretty deep squad. I, I, I just, I really want this for that team. So I, I, I like this take. Well, uh, thanks for bringing me up, Kirk. That's all I have for you today. Sure thing, buddy. You have a good day. You- okay. Uh, a couple more people than I should go, but my man Sam's up. What's going on, Kirk? How you doing, man? I am okay. Sorry, I walked into a room where I have terrible echoes. So oh, okay. Sorry, it, it may be me too. I'm actually working and I'm kind of training at the same time, so I got like three things going on at once. So I try to uh, I'll try to be quick. But um, on the Porzingis thing, um, so I remember when they when they traded for him. Basically, what I did was I said, okay, I'm gonna go to YouTube and just watch all the, the next highlights. You know, basically from his rookie year up until he got hurt. And I said, okay, you know, you can see it, you know. Where'd you go? Did we lose you? There we go. Okay. If he's with a top five talent in Luca, you know, like the sky's the limit. Just if he just stays healthy, which in the beginning of the year or 2019, you could see it just with him uh-huh. and the chemistry and just with the spacing that they had with the guys like Seth or yeah, Seth and then uh, Dorian, you know, stretching the floor, Maxi stretching the floor. You know, you could see it. That's why they were the best offense in the league that year. Yep, they torched people. Yeah. They opened up the year sixteen and five. Yeah, 
and then the injury started happening, and then it just everything kind of went to, to crap. But then Luca got hurt, and then KP by default became, I guess, the man, and he was balling again. He was really balling. It was it was you're right because it was another ankle sprain where Luca just wasn't himself for a long stretch, and then Porzingis went and from and this number has just stuck with me. I could be misstating it, but. He was shooting before in the post. He was shooting like high 30s, low 40s on post-up shots. And then all of a sudden, he started shooting 70%. <laughs> was just on fire. And it wasn't like a two-game stretch. It was like a month. Yeah. Like, so I, I know the I know it's there. It's obviously there. It's just the injuries, that, which are the problem, which obviously would, um, you know, it, I would have concern. Like, I have concern now just even – they're talking about, oh, he's in the best shape now. This is the first off season where he's had, you know, mm-hmm. he's worked through it. And I'm always skeptical on that because you always hear people saying the off season, oh, I'm in the best shape of my life, and then they get hurt game one. So, <laughs> right. So it's like, you know, I got to see it to believe it, which I got said uh, the other night where with Jason Kidd, I, I still don't think he's the best option for a coach, but it's just a different voice. So with a different voice, you know, it's just, hey, you know, it's something new. It's not the same thing that we've had for the last 32 years. And, and don't get me wrong, I still like Rick, but like you said, at the end of the day, he he was an asshole. So <laughs> at some point, yeah, yeah, they just wear thin on you and you just, you know, you just can't take it no more. So I'm kind of glad that everything has switched around. I just feel like this year, um, if everything breaks right, they should be at least a top four seed, in my opinion, just because of everything in the West. Like, the Warriors sure. are going to be full strength. Clippers ain't going to be full strength. The Nuggets ain't going to be full strength. Who knows what's going to happen with uh, with Portland. So, really, the only options you could say is Phoenix, the Lakers, and the Jazz. And even with the Lakers, you don't know because, you know, with the guys that have like Russell Westbrook and LeBron on the team just by themselves, they just command a whole lot of usage. So, I don't know how they're going to spread that around to where it's uh, – you know, hey, you, you take one turn, I'll take one turn. I don't know if that's going to work 100%. I still think they're going to be the best team in the West, but it's just, you know, you got to see it to believe it. So I think Dallas will take advantage of that uh-huh. because if, if they can somehow make a trade in the middle of the season and uh, maybe get Jogic or maybe get somebody else that can fit their team, I think the sky's the limit. I don't know about Western Conference Finals, but if everything breaks right, I feel like it, they can get there. I mean, that's what's like, like, this is where I am now that Luca's locked into a five-year deal. You are doing a disservice to Luka Doncic if you don't go for it every stinking year. Every year, you have to do something to go for it. And I, I will be very surprised if they don't end up with Dragic. If they don't, and it's like what I started off the show with where I torched Cuban about the money, like I will do this again. I'm tired of being told that I, as a fan, should care about owner's money. I don't. I don't care about salary cap. Make it work. I'm tired of thinking about these things as a fan. And the fact that we have to be educated on it is part of sportsdom now. But they've done a great job in Jedi mind tricking us into thinking that it's something we should be cognizant of as we demand more as customers. And screw that. The Mavericks have one of the best five players in the league. They have someone who, and and this will be fun to talk about as we get towards the middle of the year when they do um, the 75th anniversary list and the top 75 players. There's an argument to be made for Luka Doncic right now. He's not going to be on the list, but there's an argument for it. So now that you have one of the best players of all time, because, I mean, Luka, you know, based on, on how the Basketball Hall of Fame works, he wouldn't be make the Basketball Hall of Fame now. 
based on his credentials. So it's like, like we got to stop screwing around. There's, there's no more of this. Oh, well, we got to save our bullets for another year. It's like my, my earlier point about kids, Ken Bazemore, like who cares? Do what you can now. Like, like the, the New Orleans uh, saints, I think we have some, some, some Mav saints fans crossover. I see a lot of it in my timeline. The saints went for it like every stinking year because they had one of the best quarterbacks and they had a team for it. I want that from the Mavericks. I don't care how it happens. Make it happen. Anyhow. Well, thanks, Sam. You got anything else? Yeah. Uh, yeah, real quick, just on that. I mean, like like you were saying with the top 75 this year. I mean, look, when they had the top 50, they yeah. had Shaq. He was what, only, and they were right. The at that time. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you could obviously throw Luka on that list. And then with the salary cap and all that crap, I mean, look at Miami. Like, Miami – they got Jimmy Butler and they had no cap. <laughs> exactly. They have no cap. So you can find a way to make moves work. You just got to find the way. That's it. Well, thank you so much for joining us. You have a good rest of your Friday. You too, folks. Uh-oh. Sounds like we lost you. All right. Have a good one. Bye. Uh, last but not least, uh, well, we might have time for a couple more. Chris, what do you got? How are you there? Audio going to work? Okay, no. Uh, it's been a while. It's been there a few months since I've been on one of these things. It was, Thanks uh, for joining us again. Yeah, yeah. It's nice, nice to uh, hear from you guys. Uh, yeah, I was game after game six. That was the last time I was on this thing. Oh, wow. Man, so, I'm sorry. You took you, you, you needed my tra- a, you need a break. Uh, <laughs> when uh, Kawhi goes nuclear on us on game six. Uh, I'm just so excited. Just uh, hearing all you guys talk about Mass Boggin. I'm just I'm super psyched about this season. It's going to be different, you know, new coach, new GM. Uh, I mean, I know that we didn't get hit huge in free agency, but this is going to be, uh, I don't know. I'm just looking forward to it. So Uh, first things first, since you moved to Texas now, I live in West Texas. I got a few games a year and I used to live in DC too. So how many games are you going to catch this year in person? So it's fun. It's, this is a question my, my family and I are having because um, but there, there is right. a, a, I don't know what I'd bring to the table. So I think if I go, it's probably going to be as a fan. And then if I go as a fan, I have to take my son. And so that kind of limits us to weekend and Sunday games. So we'll, we'll see. I don't know yet. Um, it's funny. The okay. last Mavs game I went to was in, in Dallas was in 2002. So it has been a while. The last, uh, well, when I lived in D.C., the last Mavs game was 2003. It was Dirk and Nash versus Jordan and whoever, Tyrone oh, wow. was on the team. I, I don't remember. It's, it's been a while. So about so I went to a few Mavs games and I was stationed there. But, yeah, since then, you know, I've, I go to a few Mavs games in Texas uh, every year. Went to the 2011 finals. That was just a good time. But, man, it, it's time for something different. Um, we've got that going into this season. But pray to God – I know Kawhi Leonard is is going to be out for the most part of the season, but you know, with our luck, we were reaching going against the Clippers in the first round again, and then Kawhi happens to be healthy in, in April. That'd be so freaking annoying if that happens. He won't. He won't play. He will not play this season at all. That oh oh at all. Okay, it, okay. It, even if he's healthy, he won't play. I I I would own, that is a one bet I would be confident in making because the way he treats his knee recovery is he has to be like 1000% confident. And so tearing it in, when did he okay. tear it here? So was it, was it May, May or June? I can't remember now. Yeah, it was, 
it was yeah, first uh, it was the second game or third game against the Nuggets, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Or? So it's yeah, like early June. Yeah, early, early June. June to coming back in April is a ten month recovery time. Which for a player, I mean, he's older now and he's always been very cautious since he hurt his knee with the surf since he hurt his thigh. I I feel pretty confident yeah. saying he won't play at all. Which is what. Not saying that I wouldn't want that payback, you know what I'm saying? But sure. I kind of wanted that in the, in the second time around. But I'm just like, oh, we all want something different. It's, it's I mean, the we, we face them in the second round or yeah. the conference finals. That, that's one thing. But just get past the first round for God's sakes. I mean, <laughs> we got a healthy KP. Please stay healthy. But we're all, we all know this is a regular season. This is not a condensed, you know, four games in five nights type thing. So uh, I'm excited yeah. about it. I'm like, this is like. The most excited I've been about a mass team in at least at least the, the past ten years. So I'm just looking forward love to it. it. So, well, thanks for joining us, Chris. You have a good Friday, okay? All right, Ike, what's up? Long time no talk. Hey, what's up? Hit that unmute. There we go. Hey, what's going on? Long time, yeah. TGIF, man. Thank goodness. Yes, sir. A uh, couple things, like you know, it's funny. Uh, you were making point about you know not really giving a shit about you know cap responsibility or you know whatever reasons that they usually would have uh to you know that prevented them from like pursuing like certain deals and it's interesting like now that i think about it i'm kind of in the same vein now like who gives a shit like just make it happen and you know it was a perfect example as far as like yeah um uh like the saints like they're uh you know, their balance sheets are like crap now, but they were in contention for like how many years? Because, you know, simply because they had Drew Brees. And when you mm-hmm. have one of the top quarterbacks, it's your obligation to go for it, you know? It's, and, and plus the Mavs haven't really proven unless, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, you know, cap, cap flexibility sounds good, uh, you know, in theory, but they haven't really done shit with it or anything impactful with it. So it's really like, <laughs> what's the point? All of that. So, um, so that was kind of like one point. But the other point is, is that I, you know that I I was I was cool with the moves. I mean, it, it wasn't anything to like get excited about. I mean, it, it did address a need. I mean, I would have loved if they would have gotten like you know maybe like another like forward that that could rebound was kind of rugged. So you know for the the instances where we might go small and maybe, you know, a, a wing that was more of a slasher instead of kind of the, the same kind of like uh, three and D archetypes, but that's fine because, you know, basically they addressed a weakness as far as like, we got more wings. Like I, I did not like our bench last year and it, it, it obviously mm-hmm. showed in the playoffs against the Clippers along with, you know, uh, the maddening use of, of KP despite, you know, what his health status was. Um, but this, you know, it kind of, initially kind of looking at the team, it kind of strikes me as like, just like a floor team, but, and maybe this is just optimal. Me is just like, I like that. There's a little bit of some wild cards on the team that can kind of like raise the ceiling is as far as like, say for instance, like, yeah, you know, everybody has been harping about Dragic and I would love to have Dragic too. Uh, I've always liked his game. Um, but you know, I, I'm excited to see, and, and maybe this is just set myself up for disappointment. I'm excited to see what we do have, uh, if they will be contributors this year and maybe a Terry, cause we know like one of the skills he does have is shooting. Yes. He needs to get stronger and all of that, but I mean, we could always use more shooting. Um, I, I did like the low risk high reward factor in, in getting Frank Nittlekina, 
um, and love just having somebody that's without a doubt is a good on-ball defender. Yes, you know, he li- he leaves a lot missing as far as um, offensively with his skill set, and hopefully the coaching staff can help him develop that. But we got a couple of wild cards, and, and, and of course, you know, seeing what we have in, in year two with Josh Green, we got a couple of wild cards that can kind of like raise the floor, maybe raise the ceiling, however you want to put it. And I wanted to kind of hear your thoughts about that. I mean, what the team structure does is I think they have a, a bit of a floor, a bit of a, a floor, which is nice because I think that floor is pretty high. The ceiling is is really going to be Luca and Porzingis dependent. But then you toss in these other guys to where if they get anything out of Josh Green, anything out of Frank Nilakina, if you know whoever ends up on the final roster, because remember they got 16 slots, all that stuff is a bonus. Like you want to have a deep team and it's it's going to get lost to history, but how the Mavericks righted the ship after they started nine and 14 is they played eight guys and they played eight guys to death for like three straight months. And then that was why Maxi was a shell of himself by the time the playoffs came around. They have to have guys to go. You need to have nights where you don't, you know, if you can get Dorian Finney-Smith's minutes from 34 to 28 or something, that adds up. It just does. Like, these guys are physical specimens, some of the best athletes on earth, but they're still human beings. And they just need more. And, and you know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens there. I, I think all that stuff is going to be a bonus for me. I'm not expecting it. Uh, just because I think if I expect it, then I'll be an asshole about it uh, when if they don't perform. And I don't want to do that. <laughs> so... <laughs> I definitely hear you. That's hey, that's really all I had. I mean, I'm you know, I didn't want to join into the, the KP bashing session. I think I guess my final point is, you know, I piggyback on a lot of the points that have been made. Is that you know, um, a big thing for him is I, I guess for me maybe he's been chasing the KP that he was in New York, and yeah, maybe, you know, mentally that's probably where he's made the mistake instead of like continuing to like I won't say improve but continuing to find the ways to redefine himself because he's in a new situation Dallas is not New York thank God um, but he's not he's not that guy you know anymore and that's that doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing it's just about how he approaches kind of thereafter what he adds to his game uh, what he brings to the table uh, as far as one of our main guys and things of that sort I think that my theory that's kind of been his mistake. And hopefully, you know, yes, you know, the reports of him wanting a trade and, and, and stuff like that, he didn't make any formal requests. At least I didn't read about that. But hopefully him having, you know, feeling kind of more optimistic and refreshed with, you know, the new staff, maybe that's going to help with the, the mental approach and his attitude um, uh, to the team. And, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll get maybe not, not just like the best version, but a newer version of KP that's going to help with the team. Sure. Sure. Well, thanks so much for joining. All right. Um, I got a couple more people, but I'm sorry, guys. I'm a minute. I'm two minutes past. I got to go back to work. Um, this has been fun. I'll try to do more of these. Uh, we'll have, you know what? I might do on Monday night because we have media day. Uh, so we'll see. You guys, everybody have a nice weekend. Um, enjoy the nice weather outside for once in Texas here. So everybody, we will talk with you soon.